Hello and welcome to the first ever Achievements Unlocked podcast. Today I'm joined by Lauren Mark. Hi. Right. And we're going to be talking about all things gaming. If you don't know, the structure of this show is we're going to have three topics to talk about in the first half, and the second half is going to be filled with questions sent in by you, the listeners. If you'd like to get involved, you can tweet us at Achievement Unlocked on Twitter with your question or topic that you want us to talk about. So the first topic we're going to talk about today is esports in the Olympics, and whether we agree with it or not, will it work, will it not work? Lauren, what's your opinion on it? I think... I don't think it needs a place in the Olympics. Um, you know, the it stands alone by itself. It's got a really huge following over, all over the world. Um, and I think to take it out of what it already is, it's already amassed like the following, it's amassed all the people that play. Um, I just don't think it's necessary and I, I don't think it, it makes sense for it to be there. I agree with the fact that it has already got its own stand and it, it's quite a large thing that's just gaining more and more friction but at the same time i think everyone who puts time and dedication into something that they're passionate about that is competitive deserves the chance to be called an olympian whether that's sitting in a room gaming or track and field but then it like it makes you think like if you're going to start letting in people that like, are in, involved within esports where's the limit like where where do you stop letting different things and things that aren't technically classed as sports like where do you sort of where do you stop are you going to start letting competitive people that make vases in and like competitive glass blowing and like do you know what I mean like where's where's the end I think the concept of having a lot of different esport games at one event because at the minute they're all separate each game has their own separate like world championship and I think all of them being put together is like, a really cool concept and like, I think it'll push esports even like further but I f- feel like having it in the actual olympics don't agree with it i think it should be kept for sports because like you said where do you draw the line with it maybe create a separate division of the olympics for just esports bring all of the esports together but keep them separate from the actual physical sports again like you could have your own kind of separate olympics i guess made by esports for esports so like the co- esport olympics esport yeah. olympics something like that i think would be cool because i do like the idea of having multiple games at one event that makes sense but i don't agree with having it in it's kind of like mixed in with like oh here's the 100 meter sprint and next we have the league of legends semi-finals it doesn't sound right i don't agree with it really so so for someone like me who isn't like necessarily that interested in sports and there has been as i was being more of like a gamer for me it's something that i can like kind of see myself getting into what do you think it could be as big as the olympics or even close to it do you think like it could get a good following or do you reckon it'd just be a bit of a flop the gaming community obviously is absolutely huge and no doubt whatever competition they do it's going to gain attention attraction from everyone that's interested in it um but i don't think it would ever be as much of a sort of world situation as the olympics is um so there's like there's people that are massive fans of a variety of different sports so they'll pay interest in those variety of different sports during the Olympics. But I think with esports, it's a bit different. Like you've got to have extreme interest in a certain game to want to watch other people battle. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I've been to an event myself, League of Legends quarterfinals. That was in London two years ago, and it like it was on par with like what you'd see in like a football match, like the arena. There was people like you know shouting when someone got a kill, or you know there was chanting. It was a really cool atmosphere, and I could see that kind of like being pushed even further. Maybe not in the same way as like pull it in the Olympics. Maybe that's a bad way to go about it. But maybe like an esport Olympics would be the way to kind of push it. Absolutely, I think let us see. It has massive potential. It's hard pressed to find someone who doesn't have a game that they would play or watch nowadays. Even those who are into sports. Are going to be in the games 
it just depends on how they go about doing it and what kind of future they think it has. I feel like the problem with the Sport Olympics though is if I didn't play a certain game, like for example, I'd watch CSGO and I'd happily watch League of Legends because I've spent way too many hours on those games. I understand the games fully. But if uh, the Dota one was on, I wouldn't have a clue what was going on. I'd have absolutely no interest in it whatsoever. And I feel like a lot of people would be in the same boat. Whereas like you have to play the game to understand it. It's like even if you're watching, say like, don't typically watch a hundred meter sprint, but you know you know what's going on the entire time. You know what's going on. But with League of Legends, it's one of those things you need to put hundreds of hours into to understand fully what's going on and to kind of appreciate the like the level of skill. So I feel like that could be that's a problem that definitely needs to be addressed and why it wouldn't may not work. It's something like I could take me nana to go and see the Olympic tennis, or I could take her to see the hundred meter sprint. Like I, it's very easy for her to see people doing a thing she might not enjoy it 100 percent, but should not be sitting there sort of wondering what on earth going on around her um but obviously she'd be nana nearly 70 not in the game and in the slightest so it's not something like the olympics is like you can take your whole family along even for like to watch one match of one thing or watch one race or something like that whereas like you've just said it's it's so time consuming to get to understand these different games so it wouldn't have the same sort of appeal to families so it's not like a family day out unless your entire fam- family uh, sit and play one individual game that you get. I feel like maybe in a few years it'll be different because the kind of generation that's grown up esports now is like probably about my age, slightly older, maybe like late 20s, maybe early 30s. But in say 20 years down the line when I'm 42, my child, I could get him into esports. Like he could be an esport and that could, obviously that's like two generations now. So at the minute I just feel like there's one generation, Mark, like our generation, millennials that watch esports. You get rarely get people that are like over 40, say watching them. Like you'll see the crowd. Everyone's roughly around the same age group. Next topic of today is going to be virtual reality. Uh, where it's at now, where it's going to be in a few years. With the release of Player One, you kind of get to see what like a different reality where you kind of like where do you draw a line? You know, like what's real, what's not, and it's. I just I'm kind of interested to see what other people's opinions are on it. I think it's really exciting. Uh, I think it's sort of the natural progression from the gaming world into something that's more, you know, developed, totally different experience from what everyone's used to. I mean, we've had 3D things like 3D films, 3D games and things like that. Um, But I think taking the step further into virtual reality um, and the prospect of it going even further uh, is a really exciting sort of prospect. Um, If it was a bit cheaper, I think. Because it is currently quite expensive to get your hands on the Definitely. Case. I think for a Vive at the minute, it's about 800 quid to yeah. get it. Uh, it could be like a computer, though, because when computers were new, uh, to get a computer in your house, it was a few grand. And obviously, years ago, a few grand back then was a lot more. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully, in a few years, they kind of like lower the costs, make them more like, accessible. Uh, have either of you ever had the chance to use a virtual reality headset yet or not? I have. Um, University of Sunderland has their own virtual reality kits and uh, we got a class on them uh, and it's very strange. If it, Obviously, I'm not really big into 3D things, like so I thought I'd give it a try, see what it was like. Um, and it's so it's such a bizarre feeling. Like You sort of don't know what, what's, what's real and what's not. It sort of blurs the line between reality you where that you are in a room yeah like, where you are sat at like a sofa mark have you ever had the chance of reality yet i haven't yet but i have been very interested in purchasing it for myself like lauren said it is the natural progression there's always got to be something extra to keep people interested it went from connect where you were playing in your room on a camera to the 3ds where it just makes it that little bit more realistic whereas vr it kind of 
blurs the lines between reality and like virtual reality where you can get these extra peripherals where you get shot and you feel it in your chest or your back where you get hit you can get treadmills to walk around in the, the game. Yeah, the 360 treadmills. Yeah. It's, um, I think it's going to be massive when it does become more readily available for people with less money. I think uh, a lot of people see games as kind of being like an escapist from reality, you know, like where you've had a you know, a crappy day at work, you just want to come home and play some games. I think virtual reality kind of takes it to that like, next level where you can actually like go into a different reality uh, and, and play one ready player one the way it's portrayed is that a lad is living like a pretty shoddy life you know he lives in basically a slum and his way of escaping is going to this essentially like a new a new world and uh, i feel like for people even with like who live like a life like that maybe have disabilities can't like you know go outside and see stuff for themselves it's like a perfect tool piece of equipment for them to kind of see what maybe they couldn't see in reality absolutely there's um there's also a very popular show called Sword Art Online, which is based on a virtual reality. The anime. Where, yeah, the anime. Yeah. Where the character is trapped in the virtual reality and in the VR, if you die, you actually pass away in real life. That definitely blurs the line between... Oh, absolutely. Um, reality and virtual reality. It just like makes you think what's possible and what's not actually possible. But, I mean, I'm, I'm excited for it. I've always wanted to try VR. I've always thought it's... Especially with the way it's going now, where everyone's developing older games that were very popular, like Skyrim for VR. I'm very excited to see where it's like pushed in a few years' time. There's also other applications other than gaming as well. I've seen places like theme parks will set up a kind of like a maze, and you wear a virtual reality headset and think like it'll just be blank walls, but it'll look like a spaceship to you, and then things will jump out and you'll get a shock. So it kind of it improves upon the whole haunted house idea of you think this is happening but you're in no danger whatsoever and that's to me that would be such a good experience do you think a uh, virtual reality stops that gaming though do you think it could be used i don't know for like training or in the workplace to kind of like army training for example do you think it could be pushed that far where it could be used to like simulate i don't know like uh, war, war zones for sure i mean they use flight simulator games to train pilots pilots so yeah. i mean Virtual reality, it's just the step up from that, really. So I was able to talk to Chris Askew, who's a lead technician of the digital arts at the University of Sunderland, to see what he thinks, where VR is now, and where it's going to be in a few years' time. My name's Chris Askew, and I am the uh, technician for the animation and the games and app courses here at Sunderland University, and I basically look after the VR kit we have uh, in this faculty. So how long have you been like familiar with the VR kit? How long have you used it? Uh, when was the first chance you got to use it? My first experience was when, when we bought a kit here, which is, uh, what, two, three years ago now. That was the um, uh, the HTC Vive, which is what we currently use now. Oh, actually, I tell a lie. I did have very brief experience with a with a, an Oculus Rift dev kit that another member of staff had. Um, that would have been a couple of years before that, but it was very early then. All right, was, what did you play on that? It was Ropey. Um I actually played a, a, a car racing game called iRacing, which I, I play online, and they'd, um, they're one of the sort of early adopters of the technology. And it worked really, really well, but the resolution of the headset at the time was ropey, and the frequency of it would make you feel like 
like travel sick if you've ever got car sick it was a bit like that so it kind of while it was kind of fun and interesting and it kind of it did blow your mind a bit it also kind of made you feel a bit a bit ropey so do you think we've uh, kind of gained speed since then do you think the new more recent definitely uh, vive Um, is a lot with 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 the vive that we have here i've not had a single person complain about having a headache or you know feeling sick or ill or anything like that so we've we've definitely we've definitely moved on from that with the vive uh, i briefly used the psvr as well uh, and that was absolutely fine no problems whatsoever so with the vive in the oh, i can't remember what's called the one for the playstation 4 the P, it's just psvr I psvr yeah. kind of where do you think that's at now do you think that's just scratching the surface of virtual reality oh i think so definitely because at the minute they're 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 mostly being uh, certainly seen on the surface as as like gaming sort of tools. Obviously, the PSVR is is, is pure gaming, and um, there's a lot of people working on them kind of behind the scenes um, with regards to um, like experiences and also sort of learning tools. Um, I spoke to a guy at a conference just over a year ago. He's a head of a company that. Um, that he's been filming like music gigs, concerts all around the world, all kinds of different gigs from you know rock and hip hop to like opera and stuff like that, classical music, and uh, he they developed their own video codec, and the, their idea was they filmed, uh, they filmed the gigs from like about eight places and recorded the sound at like eight places around the sort of arena or wherever they were, and the idea was that you were going to be able to basically slip your slip your phone into into a VR headset like the Gear VR. Uh, Samsung Gear VR or the you know like the Google Cardboard or whatever, and that you were going to be able to kind of be at the concert, experience in, in, in first in, person, in three sixty video yeah. with the sound in your ears, and the fact that that's um, you know coming through your phone and is like an online experience, you could then go to that gig sort of with your friends because they could be also on their phones, in, so you could be talking way. to them. You're you're in the same you know auditorium, but neither of you are actually there, and you don't even have to be in the same place. Your mate could be on the other side of the planet. And he was also talking to companies about getting the rights for sporting events, so you could go to the World Cup yeah. final, or you could go to the Olympics, or whatever. Even you know, no matter where it is on the planet, and you could still experience it like kind of like you That's were there. Amazing. The only thing you couldn't do was like actually move around. around. But yeah. you, at those events, you'd be kind of sat in your seat anyway, so it's you know, yeah, the experience would still be the same. Yeah. That'd be amazing. So be cool. we've obviously, obviously, this being a gaming podcast, uh, what I'm most interested in asking you is obviously with a Ready Player One just being released and seeing mm. that and that obviously film being predominantly about virtual reality and being in like another another world yeah. essentially do you think that it could ever reach that level of virtual reality where you kind of slip into another universe that's kind of re- that's like completely real and you're able to touch and feel and I think, smell I taste? Think so. I think the only thing that's holding us back is the fact that the technology is still fairly new and it requires quite a lot of power to, 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 to power the headset um, but the, the speed at which um, certainly games have, have moved in the last 10, 15, 20 years. Oh, 100%. It, it's, it's only a matter of time. Uh, you look at the graphics from something like 10 years ago and it looks rubbish compared to what we have now. So again, you go 10 years into the future when we've had these headsets for 10 years uh, and, and, and things have improved in, in that respect. We'll look back and think what and we've it, got now were, ex- ex- were terrible. Exactly. It, it, it'll to look th- rubbish compared to what we'll have then and I think it is it's just the technology that's, that's holding us back at the minute and that's just a matter of time and it won't be very much time what do you think about in this lifetime do you reckon it's anything we'd ever see in this lifetime or is it something that's going to happen in you know like 80, 90, 100 years down the line um, no I think we'll maybe be talking like 20 years 20 years yeah I think, it'll be, I think it'll be that quick when you look at like I said gaming technology and how it's come on 
I mean, I grew up um, as a child of the 80s with, you know, my ZX Spectrum and then my Atari ST and Mega Drives and things like that. They look rubbish compared to what we've got, what we've got now. And that was only 30 years ago. Um, so things are moving so quick. And I think um, gaming is, again, it's like, an, uh, like what you call like an early adapter of technology and it pushes technology and it drives technology. And I think it's just literally you're talking a few years before we can have something that realistic. That realistic. Yeah. So I was just wondering how... Because obviously in Ready Player One, in all these films you see that uh, about virtual reality, you see them in the virtual reality being able to move about, kind of talk, feel, touch, smell, taste, mm. that kind of stuff. They have all five senses you know, available to them in the virtual reality. Yeah. How would you reckon that you would go about that? Like, What would you have to do to kind of get that level of... You'd have to... Um because obviously you wouldn't be able to physically do anything, but um, they'd, they'd come up with a system whereby you'd be able to kind of um, almost emulate the sensations by feeding like directly into your brain. Tap at the I nerve know, system. I know there was there was a company that was looking at um, putting something into like earbuds that would it was like it would basically like increase the the pressure inside your ear when you've got like little earbuds in, and that would kind of make your brain think like you were experiencing G forces. So if you're in like a roller coaster or a, or a racing plane. game or flying oh, a plane yeah. or whatever, it would trick your brain into, into feeling the sensation that you were you were kind of experienced the g-force of you know turning a corner or doing a loop or just simply like going up or down or whatever. So I think it's that there are ways to do it. Obviously, like you said, it's going to be expensive and it's going to oh, take, it's it's going a, to take a very time. long time. But won't be but accessible from the old ho- I, our home. I, in I, a I think I think it'll happen. I think I certainly think we're not far off. You know, like um, obviously as a university ourselves like being able to teach a class but no one's actually in the class everyone's so at home so the lecturers yeah the lecturers I know my attendance would be a lot better if, uh, <laughs> I know, that exactly, was uh, the exactly, case exactly we wouldn't need we wouldn't need half the buildings or you know any of the stuff that's the in the staff. buildings if if someone can you know everyone puts their headset on everyone's suddenly in the same virtual classroom and you can be looking at videos or you can then maybe go into and experience something if they're talking about I don't know if it's like a geography so in the lesson. Past or a yeah, yeah, or lesson historical. Exactly. Yeah. You, can, you can plonk yourself in ancient Egypt or you know the Mayans or whatever you're doing. You can suddenly be there. Um, we're not far off being able to experience that like visually. Uh, I think that is really just around the corner. But like you said, things like you know touch and smell and and stuff like that is is a little bit further off. But I don't think it's that far. Uh, off. I think the course I've seen so far is the emulated virtual reality in a small room, kind of similar to what we're in now. Mm. Uh, but every time he, he was, I think he was playing a, a shooting game, might have been a battlefield game. But every right. time he got hit, he got nailed with a paintball in like the, <laughs> ch- the chest or, or whatever. Yeah. Every time he got hit, he got nailed with a paintball. That, w- that would certainly make you value your life more in a game. Uh, which yeah, you'd, makes, you'd, you'd be a, a lot again, more. You'd be a lot more nervous. It's another I level. Another level of realism. Uh, I mean, again, you could probably put something into a into a suit. You know, these these, you. these onesies yeah. that either either hits you or makes you feel pressure or gives you like a really small like electric shock. So it feels like you've been like nipped or stabbed yeah. or something exactly, and that again that would that would bring a whole new level of realism because you'd much like being going paintball and you'd really not want to get shot. I think it's the emer- <laughs> it's like it'll be the immersion as well, like uh, specifically with say like horror games and stuff like that. I mean, I'm terrible with them. Yeah, and I played one on the virtual reality not long ago. I think I played Resi Seven, <laughs> and I was literally like, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. Cr- I was like, close my eyes, yeah. and I can't. They're do this obviously anymore. very popular because they are more visceral because they're kind of. They mess around with your senses, but there's a whole, oh, there's a whole host of like games from shooters and racing games and uh, puzzle games. Have you played um, Super Hot? Are you, I haven't. Are you aware of the game? That's brilliant in VR. That's absolutely amazing. That's like a, it's a first-person shooter game uh, with very stylized kind of um, 
almost like vector graphics. Or is it the one where you kind of disarm people, you get the gun, you shoot? It's like yeah, that's, that's slow more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, time time only moves when you do. But because like it, I mean, it's a great game on PC anyway. But with the headset on, it gets like a whole new level of immersion Imagine. because you're you're like dodging Doing around and reaching up. It is it's like, it's like being yeah. in the Matrix. Yeah, it's really really good. And uh, much like when the Wii turned up with the with the motion controls and stuff, it's like. It's getting people out the chairs. It's getting people to do a little bit of exercise. And let's let's be honest, a lot of gamers like myself could do with a little bit of exercise. <laughs> I know I could uh, so it definitely. Does, it definitely helps, and that's, yeah. that's a good thing. And that's again, that's just gaming. You, you know that um, we've got a member of staff at the university that is working with the local hospital with regards to training um, uh, like student doctors and surgeons on uh, doing operations and things virtually. Because um, obviously, you know, they can operate on. I assume they operate on like cadavers and things like that. But there, that means you know people have to be donating their body to science, and there's only a finite number of them. But if you can do a virtual operation in a virtual space with everything being exactly the same size and in exactly the right place, they can start to learn a lot quicker about the human body. And and we're only, I think, a short step away from possibly with the advances in robotics as well. You could have a surgeon operating on someone who, again, is on the other side of the planet. And, and they're just the robotics, they're, they're uh, in VR and the robot's doing the operation, but the surgeon's got all the expertise. It's extremely skill. exciting to see where it it's, uh, it's going to go. So that's what Chris had to say about virtual reality. And to be honest, it's actually really, really exciting. Like being, like Chris said, being able to go to a a gig that you you know couldn't get to or the World Cup final and actually being there, seeing everything in first person. The concept of that is extremely exciting. And also, I think the fact it's so close as well. Like he said, the next twenty years or so gives us like a lot to look forward to all right so the next topic we're going to talk about is why is pc gaming and console gaming mainly dominated by males and why are females predominantly gaming on apps rather than consoles does anyone have any takes on why massively so (laughs) (laughs) um i do like gaming um i prefer the sort of shooting games and things like hitman uh the original mafia series as well they're not female centric at all um in both of those games you play like the lead character that you play is always a man it's male dominant as well because obviously it's mafia and total male dominant totally male dominated sorry um and there's nothing to suggest at all when you open up those games both of them that you would be a female um on the hitman one i had to enter my own name just to sign up and the only options i had um was to select that i was a male which I thought was ridiculous. Um, plenty of women are into gaming, um, but none of the games in particular are at all focused to females. I think it, it all depends on what game you are picking up. I have noticed the fact that most games are male character-centric. Watching a few videos on YouTube about the new Far Cry 5 game, which is a fantastic game, and a lot of people made a very big deal as to the fact you could play it male or female which is the first time in far cry you could do that i've got the game i've played it and it literally makes no difference to anything the only time you ever see your character is when you die that's the only time it makes a difference i think it's not i've been to see it though it's because obviously it's just knowing that you're playing as a female character i think appeals to like a lot more people just knowing that it isn't male dominated lauren for you if i was to put you in front of a game now say league of legends which is pretty heavily sexualized especially like the female characters in it would that be off-putting to you to put you in a game put you as a character it's a battle game uh, wearing virtually nothing when obviously everyone else is wearing armor is that off-putting for you is would it kind of put you off playing it or not 
massively so because I think women aren't fairly represented in games. I know games is a total different step away from reality and it's you play a game for whether it's escapism or just to have fun or just to relax for like a couple of hours or whatever. Um, so I know it isn't real. Um, but there's the games that strive to be realistic and put you in realistic settings. So to over-sexualise women in those settings, I think it's really derogatory towards women. Um, and I certainly wouldn't be playing games that you would find um, sort of scantily clad women. Um, and that's the only thing a woman's good for, it makes it seem. Um, and I think a lot of young younger lads are starting like 12, 13, 14. If they get the games that are a bit older for them um, and things like that, where it might have an age rating of 15 or 18. Even being impressionable on lads that young, um, I think it sort of gives men a false representation of what women are really like. Like you said, off-putting to a woman that actually wants to play a game and not have constantly like naked women um, floating around. Aye, definitely. So in future, for if game companies want to make the ratio between male and female more even, what would you say they would have to do to kind of even out that ratio? If you've, If part of your game is to have a naked woman, or a woman with no clothes on make her alongside a man that's got no clothes on make it even or just make if a woman's in a battle zone give her armor like it it doesn't have to be feminine if she's being protected from bullets bombs things like that so why like why put her in a bikini or whatever if she's at the same risk of everyone else of getting attacked so you're saying if it's in the right setting you don't mind if the female is obviously dressed down it doesn't bother you in the slightest but if it's in like a a battle setting in the wear and very little mm-hmm. than that obviously that is derogatory towards women it's stupid as well um like you know female soldiers and stuff they have the same kit same protection same everything else as, the, as their male soldiers i just think it's a bit stupid uh, i feel that uh, with companies like blizzard uh, with overwatch and legal uh, riot games with league of legends i feel that they know that their player base is mainly male dominated like predominantly male dominated so i think they just try to appeal to the male audience by giving them you know sexualizing women and giving them that like image of what you know a perfect woman is but it's really Uh, damaging to you know not every woman walks around with a tiny waist like a big bum and things like that and i think a false false representation exactly and like you said male dominated so and like i said before the younger generation of men are going to grow up thinking that that's what a woman should look like and it's stupid I think it also makes younger the younger generation a bit less respectful of women as well, especially in a gaming setting. Um, I know League of Legends, I, I play that quite frequently. It's a very toxic community towards like male on male. Um, so I would hate to play that game as a female where the community would not appreciate that as much sort of thing. Do you all know what Twitch TV is? Yeah. The no. Sa- uh, basically, what Twitch TV is is a streaming site for people who play games. Uh, you can stream yourself playing games with like a webcam in the corner. And uh, recently, it's been getting a lot of backlash because you've been getting a lot of uh, ex cam girls on there who now play games instead of you know taking the clothes off because they make the same kind of money from it. Uh, but people are still donating in, uh, like males saying like, "Oh, bet you can't do ten squats or something like that to the." And obviously the girl who was like an ex cam girl she's like, Oh, bet I can, you know, playing daft and they're doing these ten squats on cam when it's mainly supposed to be for gaming. You know, gaming. Yeah. And I think that them type of people, like the ex cam girls and stuff like that, women who are going on Twitch and, you know, wearing local T shirts and like really skimpy shorts, they're kind of like how it's just treat women like poorly. You know, like throwing money at them and saying, Do this and they're doing it. So obviously if like people who are like 14, 15, 16, still really impressionable doing that, then obviously it's going to set them up for later life for being a, you know, 
disrespectful towards towards females. I, I think that also takes away from actual female gamers who are good at the game, who are there to stream the game and to entertain people. I read recently about a porn star who actually changed over to a YouTube channel. And as far as I know, this YouTube channel is completely PG. It's just about the games, which I think is like a fantastic idea. At the end of the day, like if someone's entertaining, they're entertaining. But the idea of being on Twitch and kind of overly sexualizing yourself because you're attractive, making money on people who are very impressionable, I think it's just a very law thing to do. Yeah, yeah, very immoral. Definitely. I have a slightly different opinion. Um, I think as long as the girls are over 18 and they're not being overtly not PG, um, it's their body, it's their choice if that's where they want to go to enjoy doing their gaming and do 10 squats for a tenner or whatever like that. I think it's you know their body, their choice if that's the way they want to build their career and things like that. I don't see the harm in it. I think on Twitch TV though of is a bad place to kind of do it like if you want to make money that way you should be doing it on those over 18 sites rather than twitch because twitch is there's a lot of young people that watch twitch like, in which uh, case if there's a young audience then they absolutely should not be acting that's what anything yeah. other Twi- than twitch isn't a age restricted age restricted by anyone like anyone can watch anyone in which case then no like the, the women should have more respect for the people that might the see audience. it and i think if i was to have a son would i want him seeing women like this at a young age sort of thing because no you wouldn't it kind of puts a, a price on women as well i find like oh if i pay a tenner this person will do 10 squats and i get to feel good inside but that's putting a price on a woman sort of thing like no one's gonna pay a man on twitch a tenner to do 10 squats unless it's for a laugh exactly whereas for a woman it's sexualized so it's a very negative area you said before as well they've banned both men and women showing their nipples. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, I, I don't get that because women's breasts have been entirely sexualised for years. Um, and at the end of the day, the reason a woman has breasts is to feed a child. Yeah. Um, so if... I, I agree that if they're going to ban women, they should ban men. Yeah. Um, but I think the premise of it is a bit confusing. It's well, a bit sort of blurry. Because if... If they allowed nudity like that, it would have to be an over-18 website. That makes sense. Which, I mean, I'm assuming most of the fan base is quite younger than 18, like around like 14 to 16 yeah. years old and stuff. Okay, so for the last half of the podcast, we're going to be answering questions sent in by you, uh, the listeners. If you'd like to get involved in next week's questions, simply tweet us at Achievement Unlocked at Twitter. So the first question of the day sent in by Rem, and he's asked all of us, what is our favourite childhood memory related to gaming or favourite game growing up? My all-time favourite game and possibly the game that put me on the course of gaming that I'm on now has to be Final Fantasy VII. Um, I, remember, I remember playing it when we got out and I couldn't get past the first 10 minutes because I didn't understand the concept of the battle system, how it worked at all. And then I remember picking it up about four years later and realizing what you had to do and from then on like i played that game non-stop for best part of six months mine would be um spiral year of the dragon for playstation one it was it was the, the first console i was ever given uh i think it was a christmas present one year um and it came with it was like a, a bundle so it came with spiral year of the dragon um 
and it was really easy to use for like a seven, eight year old, however old I was. Um, and I was obsessed with it. I completed it 11 times. 11 times? 11 times. It wasn't a game where you could change the difficulty or anything like that. It had one set level of... You just enjoyed it that much? I just loved that little dragon. You just, did you just play it non-stop or was this over the course of a... This was all probably... I played PlayStation 1 when I had a brand new PlayStation 4, I think I got. Um, so that'll tell you like the time of how long it took me to play 11 times. My favourite childhood game would be Final Fantasy IX. And since about, I was in about college, uh, no, sorry, secondary school, probably about year 10, I've, I was craving to play it again because it was my favourite childhood game growing up. It was on PlayStation 1. Couldn't find it anywhere. And to buy it online on PlayStation 1, it was like, you know, it's quite expensive now to get like a PlayStation 1 on that game because it's quite a fairly rare game. I remember Steam announced that they're releasing it. Uh, October 2015 uh, and the release on there and I was honestly so excited uh, and they didn't release it for about 35 months I think it was like February they finally released it but I remember playing it for the first time and back when I used to play it when I was a kid I didn't really understand the story that much because it was quite complex but I remember playing it through this time and it's really really weird like re- heavily sexual like really really sexual and back then I didn't realise how sexual it was am I right in thinking that's the one with the kid with the teal yeah Right, okay. that's the one. It's uh, don't get as well. Incredible game, some of my all-time favorite games. So much nostalgia that's like comes from it. But not how I remembered it when I was a kid, to say the least. Yeah, um, same for me. Honestly, Final Fantasy VII storyline can get quite confusing, especially at a young age. There's a lot of a lot to take in. Yeah, there's a lot of very to the imagination. Yeah, there. a lot of twists that kind of throw you off as well. Yeah, I think Final Fantasy games in general have a pretty well known for having not a very straightforward storyline. So the next question's been tweeted in by Chris Dalton. He's asked, he's thinking about buying a PC, building his own PC. However, is it worth spending a lot of money or, you know, a couple of hundred? Mark, I know your, your PC's a monster and you've spent yeah. a lot of money on it. What is your take on it? At the minute, I really don't think you have much of a choice to spend a lot of money. Um, graphics cards especially are very expensive now because of Bitcoin mining. And for anyone who doesn't know how Bitcoin mining works, is it used to use your CPU. Now miners have realised that graphics cards do a much better job, so they are buying setups with five, six graphics cards, and they're practically unavailable anywhere. So stores are hiking the prices up to two, three times the actual price. So my graphics card, it's about eight hundred pound. Can't buy it online because top of the range but if you could buy it online it'll be about two grand so it, it all depends on what you want to do you could obviously buy a pc that is already built and then upgrade it slowly which is what i've done but you're gonna have to wait for the bitcoin bubble to burst do you feel like there'd be a massive difference though between a say my computer is probably worth a grand and someone that's worth 2.5 grand they're going to notice the difference when they're playing games like i don't know csgo league of legends overwatch right they're going to really know the difference no not really honestly um for me i noticed the difference when i upgraded my graphics card from i think it was a 700 series to 1080 ti and that's because i could run games that did require a bit more power but with games like League of Legends, um, those games that they really just they all run the same, just depend on what settings you have on them. Honestly. So if I had to give a piece of advice, though, it would be don't cheap out on the monitor. If you're going to cheap out on anything, cheap out on the keyboard and mouse, as they don't really make a huge difference. But definitely got uh, go for a good monitor. 
so next question Shamar Ramsey has tweeted us in and asked which game are we most excited for coming up in the next year or two the remake of Spyro I know it was my childhood game um, and it probably won't have the same appeal to us when I'm playing it uh, it is like a rumour that it's going to come uh, to do with the Crash Bandicoot thing you know about that Mark yeah so back in the day when Crash Bandicoot originally came out if you entered a certain set of commands you could get a Spyro demo on the disc and with the remake of Crash Bandicoot if you entered the same set of commands it went onto an invisible menu which I think will eventually lead onto a little download which then has a Spyro demo for the remake. Right. Fingers crossed it all comes out um, and uh, just just purely for nostalgia reasons. You're going to complete it 11 times again? Going to complete it 12 times for the icing on the cake. Up yourself. <laughs> Mark what about you? What are you most excited for? Borderlands 3 hands down. It's um, It isn't officially announced, but it has been tweeted that it's been worked on. And there's just been a leak that it's a September release this year and that it will be announced in two weeks or something at E3 or just before E3 at Microsoft's press conference. So can't wait. Literally can't wait. Unpopular opinion. Never been a huge fan of Borderlands, any of them. All right. I mean, you're entirely. <laughs> I know everyone absolutely loves that game. I don't understand why I don't enjoy it, but I've tried multiple times to play one and two, and I really, really just can't get into them. I Look, don't know what it is. You're entitled to your opinion, as wrong as it is, but you're entitled to it. <laughs> I think my game I'm most excited for is The Last of Us 2. Mm. 100%. The first game made us cry. Never played uh, it. Was never interested in. It. I've never even watched someone play it's, it. Uh, it's a, it's a, pulls your heartstrings a bit. Uh, first game made me cry, like three times. Unbelievable game. Like stuff from a tor- storytelling standpoint. Uh, the trailer for the new one as well looks absolutely insane. My only problem with that is it's PlayStation exclusive, and if I'm not on PC, I'm on Xbox. I realize PlayStation has better exclusives by far. If the Final Fantasy remake, Final Fantasy Seven remake, is only on PlayStation, I will buy it. The Final Fantasy Seven remake. Yeah, if it's on yeah, PlayStation yeah. only, I will buy a PlayStation for just it. to play it. Yeah, I'm, literally. I think it will be on just a PlayStation exclusive. Though. Think about that. I think they've restarted production, so it's going to be another three years for that. So we've got a question tweeted in by Bella. She's asked with the recent loot crate scandal in Battlefront Two. Do you reckon? game developers uh, would ever kind of go down that route uh, of microtransactions again or do you think they've kind of learnt less than after Battlefront 2 flopped after like a really positive beta absolutely they'll still try and make money hand over fist um, it depends on how they do it honestly like I don't mind paying a few quid for a skin in League of Legends like it's just a bit it shows that you have invested enough time into a champion to buy a skin Um a recent interview came out from Monolith, who done Shadow of War, that the loot boxes in that game actually kind of brought the game, which, again, it it wasn't nothing you couldn't get in-game, but you just had to grind a bit more for it. I personally wouldn't buy loot create from games like Shadow of War or Battlefront Overwatch, for example, but it, it just depends on what value you give the game, I think. I think the main problem with the loot creates in Battlefront 2 is that they give you an advantage over an other like the other player with loot crates in Overwatch the purely cosmetic just like skins and stuff like that that's why I don't think there's a big deal about the Overwatch loot crates 
all League of Legends loot crates that they've uh, implemented. Uh, I just feel like if there's any kind of advantage given by you paying money, like advantage in game, whether it be a damage boost or like you know an armor boost or anything like that, I feel like there is going to be a lot of backlash over it because people that don't have the money to, yeah. uh, to buy these loot crates uh, getting killed by someone that has you know not as good at the game as them, haven't spent the hours but have spent money and they're getting you know better than them because of that, then there's going to be backlash. Well, that's all we have time for on this episode of Achievement Unlocked. Again, if you'd like to get involved in next week's episode, simply tweet us at Achievement Unlocked on Twitter with your topic or discussion you want us to talk about. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.